Hello, friends, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and, yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 185. I'm coming to you today from my husband's room at the Baptist Rehabilitation Institute in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he will be starting physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy tomorrow. For those who don't know, Brad was severely injured on December 22nd after striking a deer while riding on an ATV on a duck hunting trip. Thankfully, we're seeing daily improvements, and we're so grateful for everyone's prayers and kind words and gestures over the last few weeks. It's been quite a journey, and we're incredibly blessed to still have him with us. We're excited to be starting rehab tomorrow and hope to be getting him home very soon. I recorded my interview with Joe and Becky Canal prior to Brad's accident, and I'm so pleased to bring the second half of it to you today. The Canals have experienced the loss of two of their five sons, their oldest son, Josh, to complications related to a heart defect, and their youngest son, Jesse, to a motor vehicle accident. Joe is the senior pastor of Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas, and together they host a While We're Waiting support group in Tyler. Their faith has been tested by their losses, but they have found hope in the faithfulness of God. Listen in and be encouraged. At the time this podcast airs, it will have been over 12 years since Josh went to heaven, and like you said, just a little over a year and a half since Jesse went to heaven. And I'm curious if you feel like there's a difference in how you grieved your two boys. Um, you've already mentioned a little bit, Joe, you kind of knew the lay of the land um, this second time around. But maybe you could speak to this, just how you experience grief differently with Jesse because of the fact you've been through it once before. You have any thoughts on that, Becky? Yeah, just very, very different. Um, we are familiar with grief, um, but I guess the story that I say about Josh or tell about Josh is that we always knew, we were kind of always on edge knowing that he could uh, die at any day. Not that that makes it any easier, but that was always in front of us. After he died, Grief is such a weird thing, and you don't know what to do. You don't know how how to 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 exist anymore. But I didn't go to church for a year, and I just kind of muddled my way through grief at that time. I slowly got back into things, and I think that was just my way of experiencing it. I didn't have the kind of anger and hate towards God that I did did with Jesse. But I was just kind of slowly getting my way back into church and back into being with people. I did not want to be around people. And that was true for both both deaths. But I did not want to be around people at all. So it was just a slow thing. Grief is, if you've never been through grief and you suddenly experience it, it's very um, telling of who you are as a person and what you feel about God. But there's a lot of unknown in it. So that's how I felt. I just kind of 
muddled my way through it. And then after a year, you know, I was, I felt like I was uh, back with my relationship with the Lord, but I don't feel that my relationship was as refined as this time uh, when we lost Jesse. I feel like I had gotten back into life and I don't believe that God uh, takes our children to try to teach us a lesson or you should be doing this with me and you should be. I feel deep in my heart that he loves me so much and he wanted me to love him like he loves me. And I can't explain how that makes me feel in the midst of the grief that it's not easy at all, but he wanted me to love him like he loves me. And I believe that that's the point for me. That's what I feel like he was coming from. He allows trials in our life, but he, I feel like he does not cause them and he allows them for, in my case, to see what is my reaction going to be? Am I going to accept this or not? And he's patient. He doesn't, he's not sitting around going, okay, I'm waiting for you to accept this, but he lets us go through all the things we need to go through to get to that place and finally accept it. And with that acceptance comes a, a, a door that just opens up. For me, it opened up into a completely different relationship with God that I had never had before. And I hope I'm making myself clear because I know it's different for each person how God affects us as we're going through grief. I know he affects each one of us different. But I feel like when this happened, it wasn't because he was being a cruel God and wanted me to change and grow closer to him. It was because he wanted me to, to know him better and he wants to know me better. And that's what he has been speaking to me. And he speaks to each one of us different. So it's so individual. And I just want to say that as I'm speaking this, I don't want anyone to be discouraged because I know he speaks to each one of us who are grieving in a different way. And the way he spoke to me is not the way he's going to speak to somebody else that's grieving. He'll speak to you like he needs to speak to you. And that's how he spoke to me. So um, am I making myself clear? Oh, I guess yeah. that makes perfect sense to me. Uh -huh. With the grief and how it just took me a while with Jesse because I was in such a deep, dark place to get to there. Where with Josh, I was kind of just, it took me a year. But then I was okay because I knew that he, we, we'd always expected this, but with Jesse, the shock. And then how am I going to react to this? How did I react to this? Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. So... Again, you guys are still new on this journey as far as the loss of Jesse, but you're a number of years out after the loss of Josh. What advice would you give to somebody who has just very recently lost their child, maybe just in the last few weeks or the last couple of months? What would you share with that parent? Um, I think I can't remember what book it was that we because we've read a bunch of books on grief and there's a ton. It seemed like there's a lot more resources out there now than yes. there were when Josh passed away. And one mm -hmm. of them uh, was a book by a guy named Jerry Stitzer. Um, I think it was in his book. And he was talking about um, that there's a second death, that when you go through something that is just terrible like this, that that is devastating for you. But the second death is when you decide to quit is when you just like, so this bad thing has happened and now I decide to check out on life 
and I decide to, you know, to turn my back on God and, and walk away from all of it. And, um, and that a lot of times is even more devastating. So I would just say, you know, be patient with yourself. And I think I, this is a, my own theory is that we're designed to heal. Like we're, we're designed to heal emotionally. We heal physically and we don't really have to think about it, but we do have to take care, you know, of a wound in the right way. But our bodies and our, and our minds and our hearts are designed to heal if we just don't do something, you know, to interfere with that. And one of the things that is a big part of healing is tears. I just think that, and especially with guys, a lot of times, even myself, and I cry at the drop of a hat. I always have been, you know, like that. Um, And I think it's a gift from God. I believe it's a gift from God, Um, but it makes people uncomfortable and it makes me uncomfortable. And a lot of times when I choke up, the first thing that I want to do is to say, I'm sorry, but there's no reason to say you're sorry for that. There's a, that's part of your healing and that the wound will heal if you're honest and if you have people you can be honest with. And if you're patient with yourself, there will there will, will come a healing. And then one other thing that I think is really important is that um, you allow God to use it, which this is, you know, when I think of my strengths and my gifts and my abilities, I don't often think of my heartbreak as being a gift. But that's one thing that t- is sometimes the hardest thing to do is to bring that heart heartbreak and that tragedy to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I give this to you. If you want to use this in somebody else's life, you know, you use it. And that's what um, uh, While We're Waiting has been for us. I mean, we, we kind of lucked into getting into a retreat because uh, I, I know how fast these retreats fill up and how long the waiting list is. Um, and we applied and just happened to get into one, which wasn't close, but it was worth the trip, you know, within a couple of months of, of trying to get into one. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, I say this all the time. It's incredibly simple. The format is incredibly simple. It's just gathering in a room with other couples that have experienced the same kind of devastating loss that you have and talking about it, talking about their journey, talking about their kid, you know, and, and talking about, you know, the whole thing and just the transformation that happened in our lives and also happens in the lives of others um, it has been a real healing journey for us to be able to be involved. Um, and it's a privilege to be involved in while we're waiting because we feel like that, you know, that God uses this is when Becky shared at church, she was saying that um, something like our heartbreak is our credentials. So I have something to offer to somebody because when I'm talking to somebody and and they know what we've been through, it lends weight and it opens doors in people's hearts. Um, when you know that you're talking to somebody that's just not talking off the top of their head, that they're they're talking from the depth of their heartbreak, you know, and this is uh, like all I'm saying is while we're waiting has been a real blessing to us. And I would in- encourage anybody who is um, going through this to um, at the right time, maybe not immediately, but at the right time to uh, to go to a retreat like this or a support group or something like that. And also get counseling, get help. There's help available out there. Um, and there's no reason for you to struggle by yourself. Get help. That's right. That's right. That's great advice. I love how you said God designed us with the ability to heal, uh, because I really do believe that's true. Somebody said to me one time, we shared at a church not very long after Hannah went to heaven. We were still so broken at that point. 
And an older gentleman came up after church, after the service, and just shook my hand. And he said, you know, God created us with the ability to heal. Basically said the same thing you just said. And that was a huge comfort to me to think that God designed us that way. You know, like you said, we heal physically. And then I do believe he designed us to heal emotionally and spiritually as well. And for every person, that's a different timeline for every person that looks different. But I do believe, and, and I also don't think we'll be fully, completely healed until we see our children again. Right. Yeah. But it's a process of healing. And I yeah. believe we're in that process of healing all the way until until the day that we're called home ourselves. So I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate your kind words about while we're waiting, that certainly our desire is to help people begin that process of healing or to encourage them if they, as they've already started that process, just encourage them along that road towards healing. Uh, because I do believe it's possible and, and, and is God's desire for us to uh, reach a place of not complete healing, but healing on our journey uh, towards seeing our children again. Yeah, we were when we were in that group um, in the first retreat that we went to, um, I was just struck by different people's grief and the experience that people had had with their kids that was different than ours. And, you know, how many brokenhearted people there are and how many different ways, you know, people experience loss. And sometimes your kid is, you know, just snatched from you. Sometimes it's they do things, you know, that um, that lead to their own um, hurt. And um, they're just all different kinds of grief. And there's so much comfort in being in a room with, you know, people that understand. Yes, absolutely. So are there any particular scriptures that have been helpful to you on your journey that you'd like to share? I had a lot. <laughs> I guess from the time that I started journaling, just things I would read in books or in the word, I would write them down. And so as I was reading through some of the things that, you know, I thought we might be asked on the, yeah, this podcast, sure. um, I was narrowing it down to two. And the first one that has really spoken to me through Jesse's death, this is, this is on this journey. I would say I don't have as many uh, profound scriptures when Josh died as I do uh, with Jesse because of my seeking him more when you're in, when you're desperate for the Lord, you're going to seek him. That's and right. so this scripture, I know it's very familiar. And the way I feel about this particular scripture is God has to speak it to you for you to understand it. It has to come from him. And the scripture is Hebrews nine twenty seven. It is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. And I, and I say that he has to speak that directly to you, because if you tell a grieving parent that who God has not spoken that to them, that can be very, very offensive. One of the things that I felt like when Jesse died was that, yes, his life was too short. It was cut off. And that's what we usually think of a young um, person like that. Even a teenager, a child, all of them, if our children die before us, we say that their life has been cut short and he left a wife and he left his little girl, Lana. But if I say, and the Lord spoke this directly to me, that his life was cut short, then I'm saying that he did not have a plan for Jesse. And that's what I truly believe. And that can only have come to me from the Lord. And I believe that's how God speaks to 
bereaving parents with that particular scripture because only he can do that. And then another one, this doesn't seem, I just have one more. It doesn't seem like one that we would seek out, but I remember reading this um, like when I was first journaling and writing all this down. And I did just a little background on it because it's not a familiar scripture as far as I'm concerned for bereaved parents or grief. And so this one is Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. And it says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So the background on that, um, about the walls, is that the children of Israel were in exile in Babylon, and the walls had fallen down. So that was just a showing of the walls falling down. But the way that I see it, if we are engraved um, about the being engraved on the palms of his hands, he will never forget us. We as humans can only love to a certain extent. We don't have the capacity to love like God does. Um, and if we are engraved on his hands, think of the millions, billions of people who are, they are special right there in the palm of his hands. And he's remembering every little detail about their suffering, about their good times, about their bad times. So this scripture spoke to me um, early on. And I never would have thought of that as a scripture for bereaved parents, but it's one that's so complete about how he looks after us. He will not forget us. And it's just in the telling of us being on the palms of his hands um, that he is continually caring for us and seeking our needs and praying for us. He is interceding for us. And so those are two that really spoke to me. Um, I have a lot more, but (laughs) we'll save that for another time. But those are two that have just really stuck with me. And I go back and I read scriptures because I believe that if we don't, we forget Because if I'm having a down day, I will go back and read what I have written before, whether it's scriptures or things that he has shown me. I go back and read them because we have to remember. I believe that we have the Bible and it's a tool and we should use it. And it helps us to remember in those down days because we're not going to remember as humans um, the great things he's done for us. So that's two for me. Yeah. I love that passage from Isaiah as well. I love that concept of us being engraved on the palms of his hands. That's just a beautiful, beautiful scripture to me. What about you, Joe? Yeah, like Becky said, I mean, just the way that I read the word now and the way that the word speaks to me um, is so different because I find that I have a heart of compassion, you know, on, on people. And I find that it's, it's just the, the word is so pure and so true and so trustworthy. Um, not that I haven't always known that, but in, in just a really uh, clear way. And uh, I just got done with a series on Romans 8. And uh, I think that may be the, you know, if, if you want to point somebody to a chapter in the Bible to start with, if they're a new believer or if they're going through and struggling with something, I think Romans 8 is ideal. I mean, just the whole thing, it begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, and he goes into great detail in between a lot of, a lot of, um, doctrine and theology there, 
but it's just super accessible. I mean, it's it's not a um, it's not a textbook. It's a letter yes, that he wrote, right. and there's mm-hmm. a different tone to a letter than there would have been to a textbook. And I've gotten a lot of lot of uh, comfort from that. Even teaching on it, I've seen a lot of depth in it that I had never seen before. Yeah. You know, our partners in this ministry, Larry and Janice Brown, when their son died, um, Larry just immersed himself in Romans chapter 8. He spent a long time in Romans chapter 8. And um, our while we're waiting theme verse comes from Romans 8, Romans 8, 25. Yeah. Um, and so I, I also love Romans eight and John Piper calls it the great eight, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a reason for that. So yeah, if anybody's wondering what they should be reading, if they're really struggling right now, Hey, read Romans chapter eight, you can't not go wrong with that. And also one more thing, Jill, I, for both of us, uh, I just think, and for probably for most bereaved parents that are seeking God, um, if they're at that place that they're truly seeking God, I just think the Bible becomes a completely different book to you. It's not like anything you've, you've read it before, but it does not have the impact that it has, you know, once you go through something from that. And that all to me is just within our pain, there's the blessing within the pain, because I don't know that I would have been seeking him so strongly in the word, had this not happened to me. So I see that joy amidst the pain because we don't, we're not going to see the word like we see it unless we've been through some kind of suffering. Uh, Absolutely. As we bereaved yeah. parents know about. So, Yeah. I, I read the Bible completely differently. I saw things in the Bible I had never seen before yeah. after Hannah went to heaven. It's just, you read everything through this veil of child loss and you see it right. all differently. And yes. I, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows that the word of God is living and active. You know, it's, yeah. it, it is something that, I don't know. I think God shows us what we need to see Yes, out of his word. Mm-hmm. So at our retreats, we often talk about how men and women grieve differently. How I know, I know Becky, you were an angry griever <laughs> for a while there. How did the two of you grieve differently or the same? And how have you worked through that together? Um, when we knew that Josh was going to undergo a, a heart transplant, we knew that that was in our future. I always wondered how our marriage would, how, how Becky would go through it, how we would go through it together. Um, and I was so amazed at how close it made us to suffer together and to share that you know, that pain together. And this Jesse's uh, passing um, has just been a continual continuation of that, that you can either use it to separate you um, or you can use it to really, you know, make you more intimate than you've ever been before, um, bearing one another's burdens and sharing one another's grief. Yes. And we're, and though we're grieving differently, we're allowing each other to grieve differently because we didn't grieve the same for Josh and we don't, we haven't been grieving for Jesse, but just like he said, we are allowing each other to grieve differently. Yeah. Giving each other grace to grieve the way you need to grieve. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. I think all of us who are married and walking through grief uh, can benefit from that advice. So we know that birthdays and holidays and heaven days are all so difficult after the loss of a child. And as we're recording today, we're just about a week before Christmas. Um, by the time this comes out, it will be after Christmas. But talk a little bit about how you guys 
have found, ways that you have found to honor your boys um, at these special days? Well, for so talking about the three, uh, like the death day and the birthday and then holidays, we chose from the very beginning with Josh that we did not want to celebrate or, or even recognize the death day. But I did hear someone recently say um, that was the best day for them because they went to heaven. And I love that take on it. But um, we have chosen just to celebrate as far as birthdays go, the birthday. And we will have all the rest of the family over and we'll do their favorite food. And there's not it's not necessarily that we sit around and talk about our children at that time. And we have and we haven't. But we feel like we're honoring them by getting together, remembering them, because we know these are the foods that they would have loved to eat. And so that's what we do for the birthdays. And we've done that for, you know, we've done that since Jesse died as well. We've had everybody. And Josh's birthday was just the 10th of December. So we had, you know, what family we have here. We had them over um, to do that. I think being around your other family is what gives you the strength if, even if you're doing something to honor your um, loved one, having that other those other family men or members around has really been strength for us. Sure. Well, it's just there's always a Christmas is bittersweet. And this is the second year, second Christmas that we've yeah. uh, celebrated without Jesse. And I really think this one is harder uh, than the first one. Not that the first one wasn't hard, but this one. It's just a kind of a grind. But the thing is, is that we've got, you know, other grandkids, we've got kids and, you know, and you don't get to do, you don't get a do over with this. So you have to make the most of it and make the most memories. And, but, you know, it is, there's a real hole there. There's really something missing uh, in the holidays when you, when you have somebody that you've loved, that's not there anymore. So for, for both of them, it's really sweet. Um, one of Josh's ex-girlfriends had made us an ornament of Josh and we have it on the tree. It's the most beautiful thing. It has this picture on it. And it's funny. He didn't marry her, but, but, and she's, we're still friends with her, but we have ornaments of our boys um, on the tree. I gave all the kids. We, I did Jesse last year and gave all the kids um, a picture um, of Jesse. I mean, an ornament of Jesse, but we don't really have any kind of a, ceremony or anything that we do for them. It's just, I feel like what Joe said, getting together with family that strengthens us. Um, and it, this second year does seem harder than the first, I think, cause you're realizing that this is real now, you know, yes. and he's not here. Um, yes. and seeing his little girl and his wife, you realize it is harder, but I would say our bottom line is is just keeping as much of the family together. It's not really a particular thing or a ceremony or thing, but just keeping family together strengthens us. Checking on each other, too. I feel like that's how we are able to get through the holidays, birthdays. Yeah. yeah. I like what you said about there are no do-overs, <laughs> that for the sake, it is so hard. It's so hard when your heart is broken, but for the sake of the rest of your family, for maybe your surviving children or whoever else is part of your, and I'm thinking Christmas in particular, your Christmas gatherings, man, you can't, you can't do them over. And so, yeah, 
that that gives me something kind of new to think about. I think we're grieving with our kids uh, a lot better this time than we did with Josh. Um, they were young, quite a bit younger, but now they're adults. And I, I think that it, our dialogue with them and our uh, support for one another in our grief um, is a whole lot more effective with Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and holidays are, are a big part of that, you know, for us to gather together and share our grief with each other. Yeah. One thing that does show, like, you you actually take advice from your kids. You actually, your, your adult children can uh, just have an impact on you. I remember just a few days, it was days after Jesse had passed away, which makes me think that our children are so valuable to us. The ones that are left here, we, we just... We need to cherish that time that we have left with our kids and grandkids. But I remember sitting at, uh, we were eating dinner and uh, the rest of the family was over here, our kids. And um, Caleb, our second son, I was just sitting there because I was still in my distraught state. And I just said, I wish it had been me. And he said, I don't wish it was you, mom. And that just spoke to me right there that you have something to live for. You can't like, here's my other child right here. You know, I have something to live for. I have other children. I have, we have other children. We have grandchildren. So that was kind of a revelation from my own son that, you know, he saw something about this death that I did not, I could not see at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's, that was helpful to me just to have that conversation. So I think all of us that have lost a child have this very just sharp dividing line in our lives, kind of the before and the after. Yours is different because you've had two of those momentous events in your life. How do you feel like you have changed before and after child loss? Um, I think that what I was describing before about faith, that this has shown me that God is much more a participant in my faith. And it's not just me doing things, but it's him doing things. And if the worst happens, I know that he's got me. And I would have said that before because he's, he's brought us through some really tough times before, but it's just, it's just been driven in deeper after, especially after Jesse, but, but including Josh and, you know, people, when they're trying to comfort you, they say they can't imagine what you're going through. And that has to be the worst. And I totally agree with that. You can't imagine it. And it is the worst. It's the worst because we've suffered other forms of, of grief and nothing even comes close to touching the loss of a child. But I can say, honestly, in the aftermath, I can say that God has got us and he is he is able to keep us and and not just to survive. Um, but to actually flourish in a way that we never would have before. I, I think for me, I don't ever want to change my relationship, how my relationship is with God now, because um, all because of him um, drawing me to himself, I am seeking him more and more. And there's days when I wake up and I was like, I don't ever want to lose this. I don't want to lose where I am now, as opposed to where I was before. And, um, I don't see things the same way that I used to. I, I know that we're living in this world and it's all necessary, but I kind of see things um, as um, more eternal than I did before. I don't see things um, that I might've thought more realistic in the world like that anymore. I'm seeing things more eternal, not that I'm living in some you know, <laughs> heavenly realm all the time, but 
I don't ever want my life to be any uh, different than it. I mean, I want my life to continue how it is on seeking God like this until the day I die. I can't see me doing anything else other than seeking him for his guidance. I mean, that's how radically I feel that my heart has changed toward him. And I'm very thankful for that. I, I, it's, it's, it's horrible, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to trade it, trade it. Um, I know that you've read this probably from Tim Chalice's book when he says, I want my son back, but I don't want the old me back. And that's how I feel. I, I do want him back, but it's such a bittersweet thing. I don't want the old me back. I want the me that's going to continue to seek him um, and love him um, like he wants me to. So that's how I feel. That's yeah. the after me. So. Well, and that's such a big statement, knowing where you were right after Jesse died, that really dark pit of anger and despair for you to be able to say that now just shows the work of God in your life. And I hope that's an encouragement to people listening who just think there's no hope for me. It's, it's never going to get better. I'm never going to be okay to see where God has brought you from that, you know, self-admitted pit that you were in to the place where, um, where you are now. I think that's a real testimony. So thank you for sharing that. I think that'll be encouragement to many. As a pastor, Joe, how do you feel like the loss of your sons has impacted your ministry? I think it, um, we were just watching a show the other night where sort of the plot line was these two pastors and the way they approached their ministry. And one was, you know, really like confident and certain and, you know, hard driving and, and all of that. And one was just kind of caught up in the mystery of the whole thing. And I've been on both sides of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either one of those. Uh, But I definitely think I'm much more on the side of the uh, mystery and humility and, you know, just admitting that I don't know it all. And, and it has engendered, a deep sense of compassion and uh, empathy for people um, that I've never had before. And I I just read, I'm reading um, David Brooks's new book, How to Know a Person. And um, he says the people who practice effective empathy have suffered in ways that give them understanding and credibility. Um, And then he quotes the playwright uh, Thornton Wilder, who once described the, um, compelling presence such a person brings to the world. He says, without your wound, where would your power be? Um, It is your very remorse uh, that makes your low voice tremble into the hearts of men. The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and blundering children of earth as can one human being broken in the wheels of living. Uh, In love service, only the wounded soldiers can serve. And that I think that has that's a good description of how I feel like my ministry has changed and is changing through this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think it's wonderful as a pastor that you have that empathy. And because I know you deal with people that are that are hurting and experiencing loss and, and struggling all the time. And, and that's a that's a gift that God has given you. It had a high cost. <laughs> I yeah. know. And I think, I think it takes courage, you know, yeah, and sure. uh, that courage comes from confidence when you've been on the receiving end of it. Not that I have the answers, 
but that I know that how important it is to be there with somebody, yes. to to watch with them and suffer with them, um, even if I have nothing to give. And it gives you courage to be able to step up and be there for people uh, when they're going through really difficult times. Yes, because that does take courage. It really does to be with people during the hardest times. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some just exciting things coming up. First of all, you guys host our while we're waiting support group for bereaved parents there in Tyler, Texas. Um, and you've just been meeting for a fairly short time, not very long. Uh, but if somebody were to come to one of your support group meetings, what would they experience there? Well, I think it's just a place where they can come and feel relaxed about their grief, talk about their child. No one's going to judge them. I think they would feel right at home because we are all suffering the same thing and we, we all get each other. So I think if someone were to come, they would feel very much at home, a place where they could freely talk no matter where they are in their grief about how they're going through this grief, because that's how, that's how we feel. I mean, we're uh, facilitating it, but we feel that way with the other people who are coming to our group. Just, it's very, we're very open about the way we feel about grief and people are, feel very comfortable being able to talk about their children there. Yeah. That's awesome. I will include some information in the show notes about how they can get in touch with you if they want more information about your support group and maybe get connected with y'all that way. And then we have another really exciting announcement to make, and that is we're going to be hosting our first While We're Waiting weekend in Texas this next fall or this coming fall in 2024. We have had a retreat in Texas and East Texas for parents that have lost children to suicide for a couple of years now. But this new retreat in Belton, Texas, is going to be for all types of loss. And you guys are going to be facilitating and we're going to be there co-facilitating with you all. Tell us a little bit about, you know, I'm not a Texas girl, so I don't really know my Texas geography like you guys do. Tell us where it's located, a little bit about the venue and, and where it is. It's centrally located um, in Texas. It's a, it's a little drive for East Texas, but it's, I can't imagine a better location for Dallas-Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, um, College Station. Um, it's just kind of centrally located. It's the, you're not going to be driving more than an hour, a couple of hours um, to get there, which in Texas is not, not very much. I know That's right. <laughs> some of our smaller states, you might be driving across the whole state if you go a couple of hours. But right. um, it's a really neat um, part of Texas. It's, um, it's not the hill country, but it's close to the hill country. It's got similar geography and uh, geology, and uh, it's just a really beautiful spot. Um, it's an old uh, building that was a, a guy's house that has been converted and um, the people that work there, you can tell when when uh, when you go someplace, people love wh where they work and they love what they're doing. And um, this place really does. Summers Mill really does uh, look like the kind of people that just love what they're doing and love to serve. And um, we haven't tasted the food yet. But the, the way they describe it is um, it's somebody that's been doing catering for them for a long time. And it's super, super good um, Texas fare. So should be really fun. So it reminded us a lot of coming to um, the refuge, um, just the way that it's set up and the beauty that it encompasses. I mean, there's a, there's a, actually there is a mill on the, the property and it's just countryside um, and it's beautiful. And we've actually 
ridden our bikes down that road at one time in our lives. We've, we've ridden our bikes down that road, but it is absolutely beautiful. And we were so shocked that the rooms are so much like the refuge. Um, it's just a gorgeous place. There's a little white chapel that's just beautiful. And there's just a lot of amenities on the property that, um, walking uh, paths, just things that I think I know parents like to do in early morning or whatever. They like to get out and walk and, um, and then dining area is just gorgeous with like windows looking out on the whole property. So we were super impressed about it. We didn't know if anybody else would be, but just, we feel like it was the Lord that just guided us straight to that. Um, it's just beautiful. We love it. Yes. And if you've never been to a, um, while we're waiting retreat, all I can say is that they are committed to pamper you. I mean, the food, the <laughs> setting, everything else is just, it's top notch. It's yes. um, uh, its just so restful and peaceful and comforting. And this place just looks like it's going to yes. be ideal for that. Yeah. Yes. And th- that is our desire is to just love people well, Yeah, uh, show them the love of the Lord through through pampering them and through taking care of them. And um, it's just an opportunity for parents that have lost children of any age to any circumstance, any length of time, whether it's been 20 years or whether it's been two months to come together and just talk, talk about our kids and talk about the issues that we face as bereaved parents um, every day. Um, So it's a great opportunity for that. And there's no cost to attend one of our retreats. So that's a real blessing as well. I will say we put it up on our website um, about a week ago, and I made a Facebook post about the fact that we had put it on our website. And I'm sorry to say that it's already full <laughs> with, a, with a very lengthy waiting list already. But if you're listening to this episode and you think, wow, that's in my area, I would love to come to that, go to our website. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and register because we do get a lot of cancellations. Um, it's a, there's a possibility we could get an opening for you. And even if we don't, if you register, then you're in our system. And if we schedule a future retreat at this location, which I hope we do, um, we'll be able to contact you. You'll be one of the first ones to find out about any new dates that are coming up. So it's always a good thing to register and just get in our system so we can get in touch with you about future events. And it's possible we may have another um, event somewhere else that's close to the area that we can point you to. So yeah, I'll put that link in the show notes and I hope some of you will decide to sign up. All right. One other question I always like to ask as we're kind of closing out an interview, and that is, has music been an important part of your grief journey? And I know it has because you are talking about how much you enjoy doing music together and we've been able to enjoy that with you. Are there any particular songs that have been a blessing to you on this journey? Uh, Well, I'll talk about this person. He's going to talk a little bit about kind of some sad things about music for us, but, um, it took me a while to, once I came back to church, you know, well, it didn't take me as long this time, but I, I wanted to get back on our worship team. And I would say, um, I don't spend all day long listening to worship music. I do love worship music, but the words now are so much more meaningful to me, um, because they're hitting me in the heart. And I know for a lot of people, when you first come back to church after you've lost your loved one, I mean, it's so hard to sing these songs because we we were thinking, God, where were you? And when these songs are saying you're with us and um, you're you provide for us, and it's so hard. 
But I believe he is faithful as we get back into worship to make those things real to us. Um, and it's just, just it's just t- knowing like what Joe said, we're not, we're not doing the work. He is doing the work. He's doing the work in our heart to have the strength, to have that faith, to trust him. And so for, uh, for me, getting back on the worship team um, has been a real blessing, seeing worship in a completely different way than I uh, ever have. And yes, we've been playing music together um, for a really long time. So do you want to talk about that? Sure. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, so we are, it, it's not like uh, consumers, but as, as, um, as people that are participants in music, yeah. um, it has been really different. I mean, to be in worship for me, there's some songs that I just couldn't sing for a long time. And some that I still probably, I probably will never be able to sing. Um, we used to sing a, a song that has a, a part of it that goes, um, you're never going to let me down. And um, <laughs> yeah, and I know where that's coming from. And I certainly, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but boy, that that was really hard for yeah, me to sing, I mean, that um, to sing that. And then there's some Christmas music that when the boys uh, were growing up, were just so much a part of our celebration that are really hard to listen to. Now, um, John Denver and the Muppets was one of our favorite uh, Christmas albums, and it's a great album. Um, but it just brings back, you know, so many memories of the boys when they were little. And um, so it's kind of changed that uh, a little bit. But the I think the thing that has changed the most profoundly is me listening to Becky um, sing in worship. And she's got a beautiful voice, but to, to hear somebody sing as powerfully as she does and know that it comes from a place of brokenness um, just brings me to the point of worship. I can't hardly go through a worship service without choking up. Um, you know, it's hard to, to sing a complete song. Um, so worship, the music has changed that way um, for me and worship especially. We, we kind of slowly have gotten back into like playing music together. And of course, um, we didn't do that right after Jesse died. But I was reading, um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with um, Clarissa Malls. Um, I read her blog and she had a little blog about how how much of Christmas can you take? Can you take just a little bit of Christmas today? If it just means just doing a little bit uh, of something that gives you joy, um, can you do that? And that spoke to me in the sense that I think that's how we're starting to get back into it. Um, You don't have to take the whole thing at one time. I mean, we're not going to see Christmas or our music like we used to see it, but we're taking it just one little thing at a time. And so we started like when we found out that, you know, we, we wanted to help with the worship at while we're waiting, we're like, well, we'll ask and we'll see what happens. But it was kind of our first little step to say, let's, let's start playing worship music again together and other music that we like. Um, and what he didn't say is we've been playing music together since high school. So we, we started playing guitars and singing together, but I think you just take what little bit you can at a time. You can't take the whole picture at one time. You just ease back into it. And I feel like that's, what we've been doing and it has brought some hope. It's not, you still cry sometimes when you're singing or when you start to play a song, I'll look over at him and he'll just be crying and he can't even get the words out. And so I'm waiting for him to finish his part so I can say my, sing my part, but that's how it is. You're just kind of getting back into it. Just, you know, what, what little bit of Christmas is what she's saying? What little bit of Christmas can you take today? You don't have to have the whole picture at one time. Ah, that's such great advice. That's such great advice. Just a little bit at a time. 
And that's all we have to do. Tim Ch- Tim Challies has an excellent article about that. Like we're carrying stones from one place to another. We don't have to carry them all at once. One stone at a time. Yeah. yeah. One stone at a time. One song at a time. You know, that's all he calls us to do is, and, and you know, as far as time, one minute at a time, one moment at a time. And uh, that's okay. Those things are okay. All right. I think we're about ready to wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we end? Just how much we have appreciated. I know Joe said it, but how much we've appreciated you guys. Yeah. Um, we, um, like when Josh died, we had the, the bike tour that we've talked about, you know, at the retreats. And we were sitting around here one day before we got to come to while we're waiting. And we're like, I just, we wanted, like every parent does, what we want to do something to honor Jesse, to remember Jesse. And that's what I want to say is that while we're waiting has been the thing that we said we we're, we're honoring Josh with it too, but we're being able, it was an outlet for us to say we can honor Jesse um, through while we're waiting. And so I, I know you guys hear this, but it is an incredible, it's an incredible thing that you guys have done by listening to the Lord and following him. Um, I'll say it over and over again. You guys just followed him and it's really paying off. It's benefiting God is blessing every minute of this ministry. Yeah. Thank you for that. We always say we're the ones who get the biggest blessing through the while we're waiting <laughs> ministry. And it absolutely is true. I don't know that people believe us when we say that, but it is true. It <laughs> yes. is such a blessing. And we have the opportunity to meet people like you guys and hear stories like Josh and Jesse's and, and see what God is doing in your lives and and how as a pastor and a pastor's wife you can have so much impact on the people that you are ministering to even in the middle of your grief because you know a year and a half out i know this is your second time around but a year and a half out is still very very tender and um god is using you in your pain and we're excited about coming to texas uh, in october and facilitating that retreat with you guys and uh, just just excited about what God what we see God doing in y'all and how you guys are using what he is giving you to minister to others and i know some of that is through while we're waiting and some of that is through your own church and through the worship that you lead and all of that so thank you for letting god use you and for being my guests on this episode today it was Thanks, a, it was an honor thank you so much yeah We love you. Oh, we love y'all too. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.